0: So, Kathy, let me tell you who we're talking to today. Oh, who are we talking to? This is big. This is big. You know him as half of the famed comedy duel, (laughs) Abbott and Costello.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Remember that? Yeah. I do,
1: but I didn't (laughs) know he was was still alive.
0: Yeah, not only alive, he was actually the who on first. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Or maybe what's on set. I don't know. I'll tell you who he is. I'll tell you who he is for real. Jamie Costello. He is actually the anchor. His bio says co-anchor, but we all know he's the, you know, he's the real anchor. He's the man. Because he's a, he's heavy and a weight. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes him an anchor. (laughs) He is the anchor of the five, six and 11 PM newscast at WMAR in Baltimore, where he has been working for an amazing, this doesn't exist anymore, 35 years. Can you believe that 35 years of yeah. one station we're going to talk about that. But Jamie, welcome. We're so glad to see you.
2: It's great to be with friends. This is great. This is <laughs> Kathy, Mark. I'm telling you, of all the people I've worked with over the years, Mark, you are one of the most talented. I'm telling you. And I'm glad you're doing this and you have found your avenue, baby. Keep it doing.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that was great, Jamie. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate <laughs> wait, you reading wait, that script let, I sent wait, you. Wait,
1: let him say one thing good about me first, and then he
2: can go. <laughs> Watch you on channel 13, and then you went to seven, and now look at you. Look at you. And the <laughs> kids you've raised are perfect. And I'm telling you, you found your niche, baby. Oh wait! There we go.
0: I'm so honored that he even knows he pays attention, and you know, I mean, those names and everything. He
1: studied us right before he went on the podcast. (laughs) Kathy, how long were you at 13? How many years? Oh gosh, probably six years at, uh, six or seven years at 13, and then seven years at WJLA. That's great. Yeah. And then probably what, 20, 25 years altogether in TV journalism, I guess, or 20 years maybe, 2025. I don't know. It's all blurred now. Wow. Nothing like 35.
0: Years I like though. the way he just takes over and starts asking questions.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's because... Aren't we supposed to be asking the questions? But you know, he's a journalist and he can't help himself. Turn it around. Turn around, baby. He's no. trying
1: to get to the story. <laughs>
0: So, Jamie, let's start at the beginning. What made you want to go in, into news? I know for me, it was I had no other discernible skills.
2: Oh, yeah, a, yeah, I can go with that. Not you, but me, too. I was thinking about this. My father was in the Army, and he went overseas to Korea. And I remember in Rosedale, where I grew up, and I remember going to bed at night, and I'd hear every crook, every, every sound in the house. And my mother said, turn on the radio. So I turned on the radio and I'd lay in bed and I'd go up and down the dial. This is surfing before the internet. And I'd go to KBW in Buffalo. I'd go to WBZ in Boston, BAL in Baltimore. What was the station in Raleigh? There was a station we could get KMOX in St. Louis. And I always wanted to be in that box. I wanted to be one of those people in the box. And then I was a quiet kid. I I never, I didn't open my mouth much, but when an ambo used to come down the street, I'd run out with a wooden spoon and I pretend to be, you know, Walter Winchell, I don't know. So I'd walk up to people and what happened? Oh, Miss Cass fell down and broke her ankle. And I'd come back and you get a reaction from the adults. So here was a kid who was so quiet. In fact, I'll tell you this story real quick. Sixth grade at Red House Run, my teacher, Mr. Copenhaver said, we're going to make a speech. I went home to my mother and I said, I think I'm dropping out of sixth grade. I'm not going (laughs) to school again. She said, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll work on it. You you write something that you know. What do you love? And I said, baseball. All right, we're going to write about how to make a baseball. So I got a prop and she told me to look to the left, look to the center, look to the right. Don't look at anybody in the eye. So I practiced in the mirror three minutes. So I went to school on a Friday. I remember this like it was yesterday. Went to school on a Friday and there were no A's in the class, there were no Bs in the class. The first one was C, me. So I get up and to this day I can feel it. My, my knees were shaking and I started to the left and I went to the center and went to the right. Now, mind you, these kids in the class had never heard me speak. I never volunteered, I always sat in the back of the class. Nobody ever heard me except my closest friends. Here I am delivering a speech and three minutes felt like three hours, it was over, it was done. I was sweating. And all of a sudden, when I ended, the whole class stood up. Wow. And you know what? I haven't shut the hell up since. <laughs> okay. and, and that's it. And I, I just, the reaction was just something. So a quiet kid. So everybody with a quiet kid out there. Let them blossom. They will find their way to burst bubble.
0: What do you think the applause meant to you? What was oh. the your? I mean, I know for me, I just I need to be fed. My ego. I don't know if it's ego. It's not ego. I'm not saying your ego, but I'm not. She can tell you. She looks over you, at me. You, you live
1: for the reaction and the applause. I do. I do. <laughs> you want outside validation? Exactly. <laughs> what,
0: what is my love thing?
1: Either applause or money. I don't know. No, which the one. love life. The oh, your seven languages of love is words
0: of affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm always like, when I cook, I'm like, is it good? Is, and I'm it, like, no.
1: yeah, it's really good. No, that's not good enough. And it really good <laughs> is like, oh, so what I do wrong? What, what did I do what? wrong? There's
0: too much garlic on there. What's...
1: So I have to say, oh my gosh, this is like better than any restaurant I've ever eaten at, and then it's good. Look, when you do stand up.
2: What is that adrenaline rush for you when you nail a line and people get it and they start, what does that feel like?
0: It's the greatest, it's the second greatest feeling in the world, honey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to tell me. It might be the very greatest.
0: (laughs) Depends on the day. But yeah, no, I had a similar story, which, and when you talked about listening to the radio stations, so it would be like the AM stations and at night, Right. Yes. You know, and it would be like WABC New York, and 1010 wins, and there was a, there was another state. But yeah, I would listen, and it was so cool to listen to stations that were far away, hear what was going on, and uh, a Chicago state. There was a 77 something Chicago or whatever.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, so, Jamie, was it the, do you think, because you talked about that moment where you're, you learned something in the neighborhood and you'd go back and you'd tell like the adults and they, so was it the fact of being the first to know things to be the center of the action? Yes. Was it it that?
2: Yes. You know, another story that I'm thinking about, Kathy, right now, I was in the basement. I was always banished to the basement when my parents had a party and I'm downstairs watching TV and it's the night that the astronauts were killed in the, in the Sam White.
0: Um, Apollo 1.
2: Yes. Got- Sam Grisham. Yes. And I ran up the steps and I told everybody in the party. And again, the reaction to be first and that reaction. I'm sure your
0: parents were thrilled <laughs> with killing their party. <laughs> Go back to the basement. Maybe now we understand why they say to the base. There's that kid again. <laughs> got bad news. <laughs> He's going
1: to tell us some bad news.
0: Oh, no, here he is. Gus Grisham. Gus Grisham. Grisham. And Sam I oh man I used we'll, to- we'll have to look it up. Kathy doesn't even know what we're talking about, so that's right. okay.
1: So who are your big idols? I mean, did you like listen to you know? Was it the radio guys? Was it the Walter <laughs> Cronkites? Was it like who inspired you? And did you was that your only from the sixth grade on? Was that like the only career path for you from then on? I wanted to
2: play shortstop for the Orioles, and I thought that that was my goal. That was it. And then when okay. I learned that I couldn't do that, then I thought to get on the grass at memorial stadium somehow so this is the way i did it but my idols oh man i had larry glick on wbz used to do an overnight he used to come on at midnight and he used to and it was like Glick university and he was great i love larry glick and then on bal it was galen Fromm who used to have that booming voice and i love that guy Bob Riley, who used to work in DC and now is up, he used to, he just passed away, Bob. And then on television, it was always Jerry Turner. I mean, Jerry Turner was the man. And after Jerry, uh,
0: Gordon Peterson, I'm telling you, I love that guy. Gordon Peterson. Did you ever get to meet any and work with any of them?
2: I I knew Jerry, but Gordon is still, that's, uh, and I hope to meet him next month. No, in September. Oh,
1: yeah. I used to work with Gordon. Gordon was at. Channel nine. nine for a long yeah, ago, for forever. a long time, and then he came obviously did channel Seven for but for a while before it retired.
2: He and Glenn Brenner, that was the best TV I've ever seen.
0: Um, yeah, hyster- okay. he was hysterical, and Peterson yeah. was the voice of God kind of local anchor that that doesn't exist anymore, except in Baltimore, where Jamie Costello anchors the five, six and eleven on WMAR. Do <laughs> you know that people might like look at you now, like you looked at them.
1: Yeah, and no, like you're inspiring the next journalists of the future, don't you?
2: I tell you what, it's just, uh, I just, with Jane Miller retiring, I have now moved into fourth place. So we've got Bob Turk, Denise Koch, Marty Bass, and me. I'm
0: wow. Never in a million But so They better not stand in front of any oncoming buses when you're around,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to crack the top three. That's it. It's just, it is something. It is something. Yeah, Baltimore
1: is like a TV town. And I remember going to Baltimore and just like that, that was like, there's a Philly. New York, Baltimore, there's different markets, but Baltimore definitely had their their legends. You know, DC too. I mean, I guess all markets, but anyway, it's well, changed. Well, you could
0: say he's a legend. Of course. I think he qualifies as a legend.
1: Yes, 100%. And not it's- only Jamie, your storytelling is brilliant. And that's what I always thought. I mean, the way you tell a story is different and unique, and people should watch your storytelling tactics because I think it's different than maybe traditional journalism i don't you just tell a really good story and you tell it differently. you
0: jump right into it as if we know the people and by early into the story we know the people
2: when i used to anchor with megan pringle in the morning she she was oh my god here we go i'd go off script because i'd remember a story about lawman's furniture i said where are we where are we going to get our furniture now that lawman's is closed down on bel-air road what are we going to do and she goes, oh, remember the guy Joe used to work in Highlandtown and then he went to Westfall, you know, so it's you just go off, you know, the people, you know, the area and you can tell stories. And that's where you're ingrained. I know where the bones are buried, so to speak. So for all those 35 years, everything comes back and you realize what was there and who used to be there and stuff like that. So you can have a little bit of background. So when you deliver a news story, you can kind of deliver that.
0: Yeah, he's metaphorically he's the guy who gives directions by the place that used to be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, right. Down to the left, you know. We're what, what, what was the furniture? What's we bought furniture what's there? Not- Lehman's, right? Or layman, layman. What was it? Alman's furniture, baby. Bowman. Yeah, yeah we, well, we we bought
1: a dining room. Table. We bought a
0: dining room table there. We still have it. <laughs> but yeah, where that used to be, make a right, and then where John used to stand on the corner, make a right there, and. That's, but that's the kind of institutional knowledge that doesn't get as appreciated anymore in the business, right? Are correct about
2: that. You know, when, especially when someone of fame and fortune dies, the other day, I can't remember who it was, but I looked around and there was nobody that re- remembered him or uh, I think it was a lady. Nobody remembered her. And, it's, and it's, it's kind of up to me to remember those people who are, who are you know, there was history before today. So we've got to remember that. So I hope I can deliver that in some way. But it's changing the institutional. When I was at Channel 2, when I first started, it was Jack Bowden and Susan White Bowden and Andy Barth. And if I had a question about who, where, when, what, I always went to them. And they told me the, they gave me the lowdown on and they taught me how to remember this stuff.
0: They let you out of the basement first. (laughs) They changed the film canister. (laughs)
2: you didn't work with film, did
0: you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I think Andy did, though. Andy.
2: You work with film, yes. You did, did work with film? did. At the early, when I was in Hagerstown, splicing it, boom, putting it down, and oh my goodness, yeah. But that was fading away. Then we went to three
1: quarters. Oh,
0: oh right, yeah. three quarters. Yeah. All right, yeah. I
1: remember those. Ugh. And beta.
0: So your first job was in Hagerstown?
2: No, it was in Front Royal, Virginia. W-F-T-R. Front Royal, Virginia. And I was, I did a middays, I was a disc jockey. And then I went to mornings. And then from FTR, I went to WEPM in Martinsburg, just up 81. And that's where I, I ran into Chuck Thornton, who was a general manager. And he just he turned me loose. He just turned me loose. He said, You want to do play by play in sport? I yes, sir. And he just let me go. He put me on in the mornings and just let my personality go. And he was the first one. Uh, and He was the one really that taught me about community, to get involved. Just don't be a voice in the radio. Get out there and be a voice in the town. And I always thank him for that. Chuck Ford. He's a company expert now with his
0: wife. And how did you get the job in Baltimore? How did that well, come
2: Then up? I went to Hagerstown. And I was filling it. Uh, Glenn Pressgraves, who was a legendary figure in sports in Hagerstown. He used to call me and say, hey, I need you to write me a presser. So I can go to the Indianapolis 500. I want tickets. So I used to write to the, you know, would you mind giving me two tickets? And I'd give him the, the tickets. And then he said, how about if you come in and fill in uh, on the sports cast for a week? So I'd go up there. I'm on television now doing sports. This is great. And then Bob Borngesser, who was Bob Keen at WRC back in the day, he became the uh, the anchor and news director out in Hagerstown. And I saw a job opening for a news reporter. And I went to Bob and I said, you know what? think i'd want to do that and he had a big pipe (laughs) and he went crazy are you effing kidding me do you want to do that i said yeah all right start tomorrow was no (laughs) no resume no tape i was on the air the next day so then i worked in hagerstown i did everything you know we shot we did this we blah 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 blah. i faked live shots I used to go to the Municipal Stadium in Hagerstown, set up a tripod. We're live here at Municipal Stadium. With the, and i take it back. I thought, you know what? I think it fool the audience with a live shot. If it's three minutes, it only took me three minutes to go from the live shot back to the station. So I think it was kind of live. It was in that realm. Yeah, it was close <laughs> enough, yeah. So I did that. And then my mother said, you know what? I think it's time for you to come home. Because I was having a, you know, I needed to cool my jets a little bit. And so I started applying. And I, I remember calling channel two, because I had not heard from them. I had sent them tapes that I had not heard back.
0: How dare they?
2: What were they thinking? My goodness. They called me back. Why don't you come in for an interview? So I went in for an interview. They said, you want to work weekends? I said, sure. Oh yeah. So I worked 90 some days in a row. I was working at Hagerstown Monday through Friday. Then I'd leave and go to Baltimore and work Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And when I mean work, I'd start at nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and maybe not end until nine o'clock that night. And then the next day was Sunday. And then I went back. So it was really wearing on. not. I mean, you know. I, so what I did was so I'm working through all the And Gail Bending, Gail Bending was the executive producer back then. And she kept calling me. Would you mind coming in? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to quit my Hagerstown job and just focus, put on my marbles in Baltimore. They had hired this guy, Otis Buchanan from Chicago. And I'm thinking, gee, how is a guy from Hagerstown going to compete with a big time market guy like this? So I kept doing it and doing it. She kept calling and calling. Then Jack Bowden went and said, you know what? He can't be a part-timer anymore. You got to make him full-time. So I remember getting a call from Wayne Lynch, who was our managing editor at the time. Wayne Lynch said, why don't you come in? but don't wear a suit and I went oh my god it's over oh got it so I went in I sat down he closed the door and he said remember the day I told you that this could come to an end at any time yeah it's over okay you're full time I about jumped up and I grabbed that guy by the throat I could have knocked him to clean that was the story so for
0: you know why didn't they want you wearing a suit what was the purpose of not wearing a suit I don't know. I they, wanted they wanted to mess with wanted, you? Yeah, I
2: think they wanted to mess with me. So that's how it started. So it was like crazy. You
1: mentioned all those names. Wayne Lynch, I remember, news director. And then Gail Bending, she hired me. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Gail Bending. Channel, channel 13. Unbelievable.
0: really impressed that he remembers all the names still. I know, uh, I'd right? I'd be like, that remember. guy and this dude. Well, some people
1: you remember, like, I'm like, I'll well, we'll never people. forget Paul Doogie. And was you know, some of the first people who hired me. Help me out.
2: She's been the news director there for 30 years.
1: More than that. Right? Right. Crazy.
0: At WJZ.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: That doesn't happen either. No. Uh Ever. I mean. Why
0: is Baltimore this kind of town? Why is it? Why do people... Still, I mean, you go to other cities, the news, Baltimore
1: loves their news. People like Philly. Like, I don't think D.C. anymore.
0: D.C. does. I mean, Channel four still.
1: I don't know. I Baltimore has a very I don't know. It's a city that I really felt like people love their news people. There's a connection. I I don't know. You have it. It just I've been in different markets and I've experienced nothing like I experienced in Baltimore.
2: It's funny, you know, when you look at it, we in Baltimore, I speak for Baltimoreans, we don't like change. Don't, don't, don't change. You know, when we go to Ocean City, we demand that thrashers be there. We demand that the boardwalk still have the old boards in, and the places that we go to are still there. And I think the television, when you turn on your TV, you want comfort. Oh, yeah, that guy's still there, even though they may not like him. eh, He's still there. Okay, we can go on with our life.
1: If you ever went to another city, I mean, have you ever been tempted to go to another city? Where do the
0: offers come from? And, let's hear, let's hear and it. And if you
1: were, what city would it be that, that would ever tempt you to go?
0: Uh, a couple of
2: times. It was a couple of times, but it was uh,
1: New York one time. Ted Holtzclaw,
2: my great friend, he was, the, uh, he was the ops manager. And he said, I've put your tape on the news director's desk. And if you don't come up here and work, then you're out of your mind. I I just didn't want to leave. And that was it. Uh, And then there were a couple other places to to follow. I ran in and Mark will remember Jim Prather.
0: Did you work with Jim? No, I just always heard his name. Yeah.
2: Jim Prather was one of the great geniuses of our time. And he was, he was the only guy I remember leading a newsroom. And he was an assistant news director at the time. And we all wanted him to get the job. We went to bat for this guy and we would go out. The, and if you were going out the door at five o'clock home and something was breaking, you turn around and come back because you knew what you were about to do was going to be something. And because he was the leader and Jim just went and they thought he was too young for the job at the time. And he ended up going to Milwaukee and leading the journal media group, ended up being president, stuff like that.
0: Wasn't Jim he in Chicago really Chicago talk- for a time or wasn't That was was. uh, But Jim is now
2: out in Las Vegas. I just ran into him on vacation. He's doing great, but he always had this, he always had this nose for what's coming next. And I always wanted to rub up against that. And he said, he taught me how to write. He taught me how to write. He said, when you see a red building, say it's a red building. Don't say it's just a building. Don't say you're on a street. Take me into it. And I, I credit him with helping me uh, kind of write to the pictures. Sounds simple, but sometimes it's not.
0: No, it's, it's an art form and it's an, you know, and it's an art form. We stress it here with everybody that, you know, there's no such thing as writing is only rewriting and tell me the story. What's the story. That's- and, you know, you are, uh, yeah, an artist at doing that, Jamie, um, So
1: what speaking of stories, what would you say are some of the biggest stories that because I can remember just in Baltimore, I was there a nanosecond compared to you, but Palzinski was one of my big stories. But when you look at the
0: guy, I mean, for Uh, our seven listeners.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a guy who a killed. It it was like a manhunt for, I think, days. And then they he was trapped in a building and he had held some of the family members hostage and yeah. And we were all out live for like 24-7 for a few days. And you remember, you were yeah, probably. That was
2: unbelievable. It, that really knocked us loose. I mean, that was Joby. And I remember the guy that was in the house a couple of years ago, I saw him and he was down in Fed Hill delivering beer, wearing the same clothes that he jumped out of that house with. That was that was amazing.
0: <laughs> Wait minute, There's that institutional knowledge again. Yeah. Oh my gosh guy's wearing the same pants when he jumped out of the house to get away
1: but what were the oh. some of the biggest stories for you were they the ones that ended up making national news or obviously freddie gray made you know palzinski made for national news but nothing like freddie gray i mean what were some of the is it the ones that make national news that ends up being the biggest stories that you think of or
0: were you there when the cults left town or was that so, a little bit before you we
2: don't have enough time to talk about. but freddie gray yeah freddie gray was it and then we have, you know, just, but with Baltimore, there's always the next story. We're so entrenched with this story right now, but the next story, like like yesterday, what happened yesterday, a guy drives through an area, there's a fight between a driver and a squeegee worker. The guy pulls off, stops his car, gets out, swings a baseball bat, and the, somebody shot and killed him. And now it's like, oh, so those are the stories. It's like every single day in Baltimore, and I don't know if there's a people who come to work at Channel Two or in Baltimore. I think they're overwhelmed with all the news. There's no such thing. There's never a no new a, a slow news day. There's always something going on, and it is it's tough right now. It is tough right now. But Freddie Gray in the sniper incident and on 9/11. I was just talking to somebody the other day on the. First anniversary of 9 11, Johnny Aninas died of a heart attack. We were the only market in a nation that did not start, lead the newscast with a 9 11 remembrance. We led with the death of Johnny Oninus. And yes, I was there when the Colts left. Want to talk about it?
0: Yeah, if you're okay, we have a therapist standing by. If they...
2: <laughs> I have to explain that. Why don't you get over it? I'll never get over it. I'll never get over Nacho, Macho Grande or I'll never get over this. Here's what happened when the Colts left in 84. They took 12 years of my tailgating life away. They took 12 years of my cheering life, of my going to a bar, of my going on a road trip, of my playoff experience. 12 years they took. And nobody understood. They took my prime years of all that stuff. And I've grown up a Colts fan. There was nothing like it in Baltimore. Johnny U was right there. Johnny, how are
0: you, Artie? He used to come. I know you're. you're he yeah. would come by the station all the time and just hang. He had his restaurant right next door. It was the Golden Arm. So after the news, we all go over there.
2: We all and Johnny would come over and sign autographs for Christmas. He was just great. So he's one of us. He was part of the family. You know? That's what the Colts were. And then when they left, the family left. They got up and left. It was. I'll give you a quick story, real quick. I know I'm going off. When the Colts lost to the Jets. In the 69 Super Bowl, I'm in my friend's house. We're watching the final because we're like all depressed. All of a sudden, his dad runs down the steps, bangs out the door. The screen door shuts. He gets in his car and squeals off. Never to be seen again. Mm. Gone. What happened? Years, you know, come to find out he had put money on the Colts to beat the Jets. And evidently he didn't want to tell his wife. So he never told his wife. Never saw the guy and I to this day I can still remember <clears throat> gone. Gone. That's oh, God. and that's how the Colts left. And it was like now we I I was working in Martinsburg at the time and I got a call from my best friend and he said you've got to get out to 70 you've got to stop the mayflower vans you've got to do something so i get in my toyota corolla and i go up on 70 and i'm like chasing and i'm looking up at the mayflower and the state police call pull me over and said look kid you know you, you gotta stop it or we're gonna you, you, you gotta
0: A one person blockade <laughs>
2: so i went all the way out to cumberland no frostburg i chased them all the way out to frostburg and I just stood there and watched him cross the line.
1: So,
0: Where, was there like that, a tear dropping down? Oh, oh, yes, there was anger. There was tears. Oh my! It
2: was
1: man. If it wasn't for that officer, you could have been the one person that stopped
0: Yeah, him. <laughs> I had nothing to do with the ursays. It was Jamie <laughs> stopped them. Wow! And it, the fact that it happened in the middle of the night—I mean. <laughs> It, it just. puts a perfect.
2: And when we were trying for the expansion, a uh, boogie wine glass. You know, he should have gotten it. The deal on the table, the expansion franchise was the greatest deal. That you tell me you went to Jacksonville over Baltimore. Come on, you're still regretting that move.
0: Isn't and, that when Schaefer the Schaefer Cry that that one? That's right. I remember um, watching the video in the station. Or whatever. yeah.
2: He just turned. Oh my God! I still remember that? Yeah.
0: But you alluded to the the, what's going on in Baltimore now. Is the image overblown? I mean, there there isn't a crime show on HBO that isn't set in Baltimore.
1: Right, and there's not a Fox News clip that doesn't. Baltimore. (laughs) Baltimore is being, is it overblown or is it?
0: Is it correct? And, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you contend with that as a a news person? Watching your city become this... uh,
2: I take it back to, I guess, the 60s when Baltimore was just a flyover city, I guess. And uh, the Inner Harbor was in decay, which it is now again. And uh, and Schaefer just told us to pick up our trash and to pick up our lives and get it together. And we're going to bring business in. You know, when Schaefer did the Inner Harbor, it was a Christmas party way back when, and Bob Embry, who was a power man in Baltimore, Bob Embry and used to run the foundation, the Embry the, uh, what was the foundation? I'm sorry. Anyway, he ran a big foundation, and he brought, Able Foundation, yeah, and he brought all these people together for a Christmas party. It was held in Federal Hill, and they brought James Rouse in, and Schaefer went up to James and said, Jim, can you do something with the Inner Harbor? like he did with Boston. And he said, yeah, but I can't touch the power plant because I I don't know what to do with the pipes. They had big pipes back then. And and he turned it around, but he needed a flagship. And so Schaefer contacted uh, Phillips down in Ocean City and said, would you mind bringing your restaurant to Baltimore, be the flagship restaurant? And Phillips went, I don't know, Baltimore? No, nobody knows us in Baltimore. We're just Ocean City. We're just, you know, country folk.
0: Phillips Crab House,
2: right? Phillips Crab House, and don't he, he, know. Phillips yeah. to come to Baltimore and open up, which he did. And when Schaefer died, he left Phillips money in the will for the Phillips family because of that favor. Wow! <laughs> so that's what it takes to turn Baltimore around again. It's going to take some very creative minds, and they just—they did. It's a tough situation right now, and if anybody had a great idea, it would have been implemented by now
0: but nobody does. You need those kind of figures. Well, you, you, need need a, a you need a William Donald Schaefer. You need a, a James need Rouse. Not
1: just a good idea, but you need that type of leader who could get buy-in from everybody, right? Like Schaefer said, pick up your tr- trash. We're in this together. You need somebody that can pull everyone together. And that's harder these days, right?
2: These days, you really need uh, somebody to come in there. And the, the number one thing is, if you don't get the crime under control, nobody's coming. No, what business wants to come in? You know, you can you could make the Inner Harbor as pretty and as glorious with all the great shops with two dollar dinners. If crime's lurking, people are not going to be coming down. So they got to get the crime under control.
1: Right. And that in order to do that, you've got a problem with police and there's a whole there's the problems are deep.
2: Yeah, they are deep and deeper than I think everybody's afraid to go. It's it's. It's a turning point. Let me tell you, it's a turning point. We'll see how it goes.
1: So, if you if we talk about news, the uh, news in itself has changed. I mean, it used to be like now, you know, like we're, we're talking about police, right? And then you've got the, everybody's divided on just about everything. And then who gets blamed for everything? It's the media, you know. It's we wouldn't have these problems if it wasn't the media who was shining a light on it. It's like kill the messenger all the time. Talk a little bit about back. There was a time, I mean, I talk about the media and like, listen, this, we're the, like the fourth estate here. We're the ones who are keeping people honest, but we, the media has got, I'm not, I I talk about it as, uh, as if I'm still in it, but the media, I think. Needs a big PR, a PR firm <laughs> representing the entire media.
0: Because, On the mark media is available. Yeah, but
1: I mean, it's just for <laughs>
0: the media in general. It's
1: bad. It's someone like someone
0: from Pointer wants to. It's call gotten
1: us. to where people don't trust the media, or they just watch the media that says what they already think. And then there's then who is the media? You know, any blogger out there gets lumped into the media. And then they're like, oh, they're all like liars. That blogger isn't a part of the media. How do you, can you talk about being a part of how that change affects and impacts reporters? And what do we need to do to restore faith in in our industry?
2: You lumped it all in. Enemy of the state, I'm not enemy of the people. What are you talking about? And that is hard. Do you classify all plumbers as, you know, that way? Do you classify all insurance agents that way? You and the media, you know what? There, there are people that come up and you know, go, I don't watch the news. What do you do for a living? <laughs> you know, I'm a carpenter. I don't like the way you laid the floor the other day. There's, you don't criticize them, but the media is because we're telling stories people don't wanna hear. They don't wanna hear that things are bad. They don't wanna hear that the price of meat is going up. But where are you gonna hear it from? And, and now with, it used to be in the day you'd turn on CBS and ABC and NBC and you'd get the same story. But now you turn it on, you get a uh, little of this, little of that. But the media, it is, I just, without us, I don't think people know as much as they do. And that, that's, you got to know what's going on in your community. It's not just the world. You got to know what's going on in your community. And like I tell kids, you know, when you're going down the Beltway, you always look at the crash, right? But you don't remember the flowers in the medium. So why is that? So... Talk. I remember going out one day, I did a story in the morning about a girl who had straight A's all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. And i show up at the school and the people there are going oh it must be a slow news
1: day it's i mean does it leave you frustrated as because it just seems i don't even know like that's the part of the thing too is i try to educate people because also people learn everything from facebook and i have people who don't understand the media and i try to explain to them the difference between reporters and commentators on like cable news there is a big difference And believe it or not, reporters are only as good as their last story. And if they're not credible, they're fired. You you know what I mean? Their facts and sources are crucial to us. And we aren't, you know, yes, is there's bias going on? Of course, just by choosing one story over another, there's innate bias, right, in the news media. But we don't try, I mean, we're trying to be as unbiased as we possibly can but you can't remove all bias from the media just because you cover you lead with one story over another there's some sort of bias but and reporters they're liberals what's liberal what's a definition of liberal definition of liberal is being open-minded so don't you want all your reporters to be liberal don't you want them all to be open-minded or do you want them to be have a preconceived idea and go into the story and report it how they think about it beforehand no. There's, no,
2: there's no pushing of an agenda in a local newsroom. I've, I, honestly, I've never seen that. I'll be honest with you.
0: I always tell people, I'm like, you can't even get a reporter and a photographer to agree on what radio station to listen to on the way to a story. I mean, How are you going to get some sort of, you know, agenda going? If, oh, so just, what do you where, have- where are we going to lunch? We can't agree on that, you how, know. You how know. do you
1: explain that, Jamie, to people? Like, how do you tell them inside the newsroom how a newsroom really works and how we're not out there? First trying-
0: of all, there's seven layers that need to read your script first. Because, But,
1: I mean, that, what do you tell that, to people, people that...
0: Th- people think that's the case, and that's not always the case.
1: People <laughs> also think that, we're at, you know, you're out <laughs> to get Trump or you're out to get X, you're out to get that person. But how do you explain that?
0: How do you explain yeah. it?
2: I think they they lump us in with the Nationals, and they'd lump us in with the commentators and they get that. And they get their feed off of the Facebook and the Twitter and they, that fuels them. And people who didn't have a voice back in the day now feel that they can open the door and say anything about anybody and it's factual. And it's like, oh my goodness. We know, that, we know you're hiding something. We're not hiding. We have to have sources. There are such things as sources. We go with the police because they're authority. Okay, and then we question the police. Some people even say, why are you doing a live shot out in front of the police department? Does that mean that you trust the police more than what you're hearing on the street? That's a good point, that's a good point. But again, it's like you just have to explain to people that we're after the facts and that's what we have to do. And sometimes the facts hurt, but we're still gonna deliver the facts. And if if we deliver the facts, you'll trust us. And right now, a lot of people don't trust. They don't want to watch the news because of the bad things that are happening. That's what's happening. But you know what? We cover the school board meetings. We cover angry parents who went in there and wanted to have the mask mandate lifted. We covered, you know, how you, some people were so mad at us for the, during the pandemic about the mask and all that stuff. Where in the heck did you learn how to put a mask on? The media told you. The media told you that it's coming our way. It was Montgomery County first, right? The first COVID case in the state happened in Montgomery County. We reported on that. We reported on that. And then everybody thought that the COVID would go away, COVID scare. We were on all constantly about COVID numbers and stuff. Once the election's over, it'll all be gone. We did it on Wednesday, November 5th, the 6th, the 7th, December, January, February. It didn't, it it wasn't. So all these, so people get their feed off of the Facebook, the social media, and they make their own opinions that way. And we're just in the stones throw away, man. They, and they're throwing stones at us. I'm telling you. But fine. the
0: fire's still burning though. Even if, I mean, it's always been something against the media. You oh, know. Yeah, but
1: it's I worse mean, now. I well, think oh,
0: okay. But do you still have the fire? What still propels you after 35 years to keep, uh, keep just, at it?
2: It's the next, uh, as I tell everybody, what time is it? 1044. The next, the greatest story in our lives could happen at 1045. So that's what you live for. You live for the next great story. Somebody that's done something great that is so humble. And all of a sudden you're putting them on television and they make a difference.
1: And that's all you want. And also I always explain this. Like if you are a reporter. And the fat and let's say you, you know, personally have covered the mayor, the or the city council person or the police chief or whatever, and you personally know them because you covered them for years. Now, all of a sudden you find out, wow, they've done something bad or there's something corrupt in whatever they've done are you not going to cover that story because you know them? I mean, it, 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 explain. I mean, people think that we really don't, you know, it's like, we don't care. We'll out anybody, you yeah. know, can you explain that to like,
2: No, no it's not. No, you got to cover it. I mean, if they did something wrong, you cover it. I'm sorry. It's, you know, hey, I'm sorry. And that happens. I don't think a lot of people shy away. Oh, they may excuse themselves and, you know, excuse themselves from covering the story, which, you know, if they've got a relationship above, you know, above what we think, then they should excuse themselves and let somebody else cover it. So I've done that a couple of times. Just said, I can't cover this. Let somebody else do it.
1: Because you have a relationship and yeah. you're afraid that you might be a little criminal, too kind on you them.
2: Know, you know, nothing criminal to it, but yeah. Yeah. You know, let somebody else. I'm too close to it.
0: I had, what's his name? The mayor before O'Malley. Who was the mayor before O'Malley? Religious guy. Smoke. I had him curse at me. About me, it was great.
2: No, he, yeah. he curse,
0: and he didn't curse. He was, you know, <laughs> a very faithful person, and I got him to curse at me. That was cool. <laughs> it was about well, that, there, there had been a blizzard, and the many streets were not getting taken care of, but certain streets were getting taken care of, including the street in front of Mayor Schmoke's house. Okay, and I ended up pointing that out in a few reports, and then I may have interviewed his son or I think his stepson who just happened to be passing by. Yeah, And then I went down to the mayor's press conference and he wasn't happy with
2: me. What uh, curse. word did he
0: use? I, I think he called me bullshit. <laughs> oh,
1: well, that, it could have been worse.
0: <laughs> it, it was in front of, and Terry Owens was the city hall reporter. And I had come in to, you know, so, because Terry, you know, as you say, probably, it, you know, he didn't want to mess up his regular thing there with this kind of, and Terry had like nothing to do with me that. day.
1: <laughs> you wanted to say it's like, I got a career
0: here, buddy. You're parachuting in, getting yelled at by the mayor. Oh, my God. And, yeah. Well, so, remember-
1: Jamie, how do you do a show- social media too? Like social media has totally changed. I mean, A, now you're responsible for yeah. not just reporting on your news station. and But you also, do you have to do social media as well? Or do you want to? Or how does that work?
2: Sometimes, You throw it out there and run, you know, it's like toss and run. I I don't like the one opinion I had, I try not to stir anything up. So I I try to play a nice, nice and easy. And I try to read the crowd if you will. And I'll go with what the crowd is saying. The majority is saying like the Bay Bridge, I called for. You know, you can't get the gas tax taken away. So why don't you take away paying the tolls at the Bay Bridge when you're stuck in 50 traffic wasting all that gas.
0: I saw that was brilliant, but it, it, you're taking a stance there.
2: Yeah, I was just, because that's easy. That's easy. That was an easy thing. Yeah, that's right. Let's do that. But other than that, I just try to stay out of the political fray, just calm it down. And, but it, you know, I show pictures of my kids, my beautiful wife. <sighs> But other than that, and I have two pages. One's a personal page, which is family life. And then the other is the Bay Bridge, you know, wave the tolls for a while. A couple of opinions like that. But I just sympathize with people who are hurting more than and praise for people who are doing that rather than get into that political spectrum or something controversial is
1: it hard not to have because what one thing that I did find freeing when I left journalism is I'm like I can have an opinion and boy am I opinion
0: oh my gosh I'm yeah, way I am see here at night and I'm like who are you fighting with on Facebook yeah, now but it's
1: kind of nice like uh, there was a the nice thing about being I can have an opinion now publicly where before you know I had to be very careful just because you don't want you know you, you don't want to be You have to be fair minded. And even though you have your own opinions, you don't want people to think that your opinions are impacting your work because you're very careful as a reporter. And you know this, you you have to be very careful to make sure your opinions don't play a role in your story. You have to check yourself, right, to make sure
2: it's always the throwaway line. It's always the throwaway line that you don't think of. And all of a sudden it creeps into your mind. You know what? I'm going to say this. And that's when you get a little trouble, the, the tagline or something like that. Or when you're asked a question and it's like, yeah, the worst, the worst thing that I did was when the, the Ravens came to town, I was doing a live shot and I was going through all the people responsible for making this happen. And I'm on the air and I'm going, How about we think of Herb Belgrad and William Donald Schaefer and Kurt Schmoke and the late Matt DeVito. All of these people were so instrumental. Back to you. Phone rings. I pick it up. It's Scott Garceau. Hey, Jamie. Sports guy. Sports guy. Yeah, sports guy. He goes, hey, Jamie, I just had dinner with Matt DeVito last night. I said, oh, my God, I killed him. I killed, I <laughs> oh my God. So for like 20 years, he was known as the late Matt DeVito. The
0: late Matt DeVito. Oh
2: my, I swear to God, I just read his own bit. I swear to God. No, oh. he was alive last night when I, when I had dinner with him.
1: <laughs> and, it, oh.
2: and I remember to this day, and the late Matt DeVito.
1: you know it's funny how we really remember our mistakes right like that you'll never forget them are there any other mistakes on the air that you've done and have you been able to correct them or you just had to like secretly live with them do you
0: walk around like with Tourette's going oh my gosh oh my if I hadn't said that six years ago
2: when you you forget you know there, there was a reporter that just started and I had a toss to her and I what's her name? I can't remember. Here she is now. I had no idea. What's your name again? And I felt so badly for She, But it's uh, those things are all. And I I remember one. I did a story on on somebody that was retiring after so many years. And I put up on the chalkboard, you know, happy retirement, Kathy. And he came in and I turned the chalkboard and I said, read it. And the gentleman couldn't read. He He is so stunned, everybody. It says, oh, man. So, those are the things you just assume so much, and it's,
0: it's, it, those are all lessons that you just file away. When
2: when you're live and you think you've got somebody that's good, and all of a sudden, oh, we went down the wrong avenue. Let's go. (laughs)
1: You're figuring out how do I save this live on the air?
2: I will learn, I learned that from Ken Max because I was covering a Seder. Which, of course, I'm sorry, I, he did not. Uh, and he, uh, and I went, I thought I nailed it, blah, 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 blah. Back to you, Ken. And Ken said, how do you make matzo balls? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm sorry.
0: They're hard to pull off the <laughs> matzos. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that was it. But you always have to be on. And the, some people say it's a uh, castelloized when I get a report. I don't mean to, but I just, you know, hey, wh- why is that? Thing behind you I don't see it you know that so I always ask questions that maybe they're not prepared for
1: oh that's funny yes I used to hate that when I'm in the field and the anchor would you know you give them two questions and they ask you like some random questions you're like hover, hover. Oh, we
0: used to have a, an anchor at a, one of my early stations who you would give the questions to and he would give you the answers as he would follow up with, you, he would say, so this is happening now and blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're like, you just took my answer, you my, son of a bitch. My whole, <laughs> my, to, that was everything to, I was going to say. To I our ad lib question that you were supposed to add. Yeah. Yeah. He had a just-
2: beloved reporter who, who would ask me one day, George Burns, Mark knows where I'm going. George Burns has died. He started in vaudeville and she turned to me and she said, where's vaudeville? And I
0: said, it's on the Eastern shore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was... We
0: know who that was. Practice. So, thirty-five years. How, how did you, did you survive thirty-five? I mean, I can tell how, why how you could survive thirty-five, but, but it just doesn't exist anymore.
1: News people get, can't. I mean, it's in, in explain in, in context that most people most people get fired before thirty-five years, right? <laughs> I think that was me. I think
0: that was you. No, you were Jay Z. Yeah. I was you know. at hey, NAR. if you haven't
1: been fired from a station, you know, I don't know. There's always a good story to a firing. <laughs>
0: right. But I didn't mean to ask that question. Like, how the hell did you survive 35 years? I meant, how did you survive 35 years in this business?
2: For 35 years, I've watched a lot of talented, more talent, like you, like more talented people than I ever was walk out that door. And it was sometimes it was an emotional wreck. I remember the first time I cried when somebody left, that was Horace Holmes. And Horace,
1: Horace,
2: yeah, I worked with him
1: at Channel 7. He's still at Channel 7.
2: One of the greatest, one of the greatest guys, yeah. uh, It's like, oh my goodness! So, all those people before me that left, it was you know, your Stan Stovalls, your Mary Beth Marsden, I could go down the list, Andy. I mean, everybody that's left, and for me to survive, I I just ducked. That's be honest with you, I just ducked. Now, I think back on it when I my first 22 years, I worked with 24 different news directors or bosses. So every time a new person took over, you had to start over again. You had to prove yourself. And maybe that kept me on my toes a little bit more. I'm not sure, but it's like, you just dodged the bullet. You just dodge the bullet. And
0: I don't know. And it's but a- it's more than just dodging the bullet because you... Were the morning anchor, you were, and now you're the you,
1: you were know, adaptable I and mean, you had to adapt. Main
0: anchor, you, right? you, you still cover stories. I mean, you're still out there covering stories, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, I did sports, I filled in for Veronica Johnson when she went on a maternity leave and for they, weather. They even came to me and said, Yeah, they came to me and said, We well, want you to go to Mississippi State to earn your, your meteorology. And I, Are you kidding me? I can't. <laughs>
0: Here's the hard part about doing weather that they don't tell you about because I had a fill-in with my first job. I had a fill-in for weather. Being
1: and White. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> first of all, knowing where the states are, okay? <laughs> which state is which, okay? That yeah. square, look, I think that's Oklahoma. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then they having to have to do it backwards. The- it's uh, not easy. Yeah, so you got to like figure out, wh- like, what state am I pointing at? You can always reference Ohio and Florida so many times.
2: Yeah, I remember doing it at time. I used to do the mall parking lot temperatures. Here we are. The White Marsh Mall is now uh, 62 degrees and out in Reichertown Plaza. its uh, It was because I was just making it up. I had no, I called the, I remember, what was it, 844-1212? Back in the day with the weather for the baltimore washington a <laughs> <I'd> copy <laughs> partly cloudy and a chance okay here's what it is partly cloudy and a chance of rain today it was, i'm sorry no,
1: but jamie you also have to learn how because now when you sometimes you'll go out and shoot i don't know if you do it all the time but you'll shoot a story in your iphone and you have to i mean does that happen all the time or is that just a semi i love it
2: i love it because you you don't have you don't have anybody to blame but yourself and you know what you shot you shoot and you know you still learn what's going on but it's uh, yeah, it's my phone right now and I and people are amazed you know sometimes when we got into this MMj world multimedia journalism there was a fear that when you show up at somebody's place with not the big camera and the lights and the TV truck and all the TV stuff that goes around with it people are gonna be like what so I go in and explain that you know what all newsrooms across America are short-staffed now. Every newspaper, every television station short. So in order for us to get your story on, we have to rely on this. So that's how you have to present it now. So the big TV lights and the two, two camera shoots, they still happen, but not, not every single day now. So the, this is, and CNN is doing this now. They're switching. They're going phone. I mean, right. if you got a phone, you got your own TV station who's your co-anchor kelly swoop
0: kelly yeah she gets the two camera shoots though i, she gets I, the I know yeah it's a <laughs> <in the> contract <laughs>
1: kelly's been there a while too kelly she yeah. was a re did she do health for a while i think I yeah. I, uh, yeah.
0: all right we gotta let them go i mean oh. i can do this all day long can we could just uh, we can just pick it up later at the bar yeah uh, is
1: it too early to drink I go, think oh, it's
0: Friday, okay. let's go where he's going next
1: Cheryl needs help well, with the laundry, <laughs> with the yes. laundry I, saw. I
0: think he's going oh. heading to the Smithsonian I think he needs to go I think Jamie Costello should be an exhibit in the, Costo- oh, in the Smithsonian
2: and I love you both you I am big fans of both of you and I've I just and, and to this day and uh, the, the highest compliment I get is I can steal from Mark Silverstein what he does I can steal oh that line is good I'm gonna do that
0: but still, we always- I was still I was stealing it from the weather. Like you, I was just, I would call the weather guy. <laughs> so
1: now we steal from you, Jamie. We see your stories and we're like, Dude.
0: we just shake our heads and go. How does he make it look so easy and how yeah. and, and-
1: so fun. Like you still make it look really fun and you can tell you still have the passion for it, which I love. There's you know? no safety
2: net. So I tell people if you're going into this place, don't come on with a safety net. And I'm glad that you guys have landed in something that I think a lot of us would love to do.
0: So when you're ready to come over to the dark side, Jamie, we got, there's, a safe, there's another
1: safety net for you.
0: It's just great to be with you. Yeah. And we're so glad you shared some stories with us. I'm honored. Thanks for asking. This was fun. This we'll, fun. we'll do it again in 35 I'll, more years. I'll,
2: I'll, be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here.
1: All, All right. right. Thank you. Is... Thank you, Jamie. Cheryl, we said thanks again. We'll
2: do. Thank you.
1: All right, bye. After Deadline, the media podcast is a production of On the Mark Media. If you want to hear more, if you liked what you heard, and you want to hear more from us and the incredible journalists across the country, be sure to follow us on social media at On the Mark Media, Mark with a C, and subscribe to After Deadline, the media podcast, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, we'll catch up with you after Deadline.